You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Every week, I have the privilege of speaking to elementary students, so I'm completely out of my element this morning. So maybe uh, in an effort to kind of make me feel at home, maybe if a couple of you could just kind of lean back in your chairs, maybe a few of you just kind of randomly poke each other every once in a while, maybe about five of you, if you just want to like raise your hand and ask me if you can go potty or get a drink all at the same time, it'll really help me out. (laughs) No, really, I'm just kidding. I love what I do. I love it. I'm the children's pastor and the connections pastor here at the Gateway Church, and it is honestly such a joy. I work with some of the finest people on the planet, the pastors of this church. They are the real deal. They love God, and they love people, and I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing here. So I'm happy to be with you this morning. We're going to dive right in. Let's go ahead and pray before we move on. Father, we just thank you so much. Your word is powerful. It's alive. It's active. And God, you have special things that you want to speak to us this morning. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak through me in power. God, that you would open up our hearts to respond to what you have to say to us. God, you desire to speak to us. And it is our desire to listen and respond. So we do that this morning. God, we thank you so much that you are here with us. And you love us, God. And your plans for us are awesome. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this summer we've been focusing, as Pastor Ben said, on a series of character tests on fulfilling God's plan for our lives. And we've been going through different tests every week, and it's been really good. And this week, I believe that we are focusing on probably one of the toughest tests of all, and that is the forgiveness test or the pardon test. Uh, And I will, you know, I will confess, this one's a hard one for me at times. Um, I've been married for 19 years to a remarkable human being. My husband, he's just awesome at asking for forgiveness, of receiving forgiveness, and moving on, and just kind of letting things go. And you know what? That drives me crazy sometimes. Listen, you know how like when you're upset or frustrated with somebody and you know it's just so much easier to stay mad like when they're being a stinker, you know, like you kind of almost feel justified in your anger. But my husband, bless us Pete Pickenart, he's an overall humble guy and he's really good at just saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, babe? And I'm just like, doggone it, Jones, why can't you just be a dingus? Like, why can't you just like be a stinker? And then it allows me to be mad at you. Why do you have to go and do the right thing? Because now I have have to. Ah, okay. I've watched children. I won't say whose children, but I've watched children get angry with each other and say dumb stuff. And then one whacks one and then the other, you know, says mean words. And then there's all these words and there's anger and there's tense moments. And then I got to step in. I shouldn't have said I. All right. I got to step in and, you know, and I have to say, hey, you have to make it right. What do you need to do? You need to go apologize. And then they walk over with their hands folded sorry, like that. You ever seen that? And then there's silence. And then I'm like to the other one, do you have anything to say in response to that? I forgive you. You, You've seen that. Forgiveness is tricky, you guys. It's challenging, right? It's difficult. But it is something that God has commanded us to walk in. And if there's anybody outside of Jesus in the Bible who displayed remarkable forgiveness, that's Joseph. I want us to stop and just think about his story 
for a second. Think of all the things that happened to Joseph. His brothers, they threw him in a pit, uh, and they were going to kill him, and then they eventually just sold him as a slave. Uh, He's falsely accused of indecent behavior with his boss's wife, and he's sent to prison. He's uh, in prison, and the guy that he helps get out is supposed to help him get out of prison, and the guy forgets about him, and he's stuck there for another two years. I mean, seriously, so much happened to this guy. He had so much to overcome, so much to forgive, and yet Joseph did, and God used his life in a powerful way. I want you to look at these verses with me. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Genesis chapter 39. It's also going to be on the screen. I might be reading from a different version this morning, but you can follow along with me. Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his master. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And then look at verse 23. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. This is awesome, right? I mean, but how could that be? When you really think about that, despite everything that had happened to Joseph, all the pain that others had caused him, all the things that he had gone through, how could he have continuously prospered and moved forward in his life with God being with him? The only way that I believe that could have happened is if Joseph was walking in forgiveness. And there is very clear evidence in Scripture of Joseph walking in this forgiveness. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to be starting. It's the very last book, or the last chapter in Genesis. And, you know, just quickly as a side note, in elementary Uh, For the last few months, we have been teaching our students how to look things up in the Bible. We call them sword drills, and it is so exciting to me, the progress that our kids have made. You know, we started out, I would say, hey, Romans 8, 2, and the kids would just kind of look at me like, what? Who's that? What's Romans? And now they are looking up Romans. They're going to the New Testament. They know it's after Acts. They know it's before 1 Corinthians, and they're pulling up these scriptures. You guys, it's exciting to me. They're making progress, and I am so proud of our kids. And I just want to challenge you, if you have elementary age students or you have any kids in your house, I don't care how old they are, I want you to challenge your kids, your spouses, your people, look things up in the Word every single day. That's my PSA. All right. So very clearly, uh, we see, as I just said, that Joseph walked in this forgiveness. So we're going to read it together. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. And that interesting? They didn't even go themselves. <laughs> they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. 
I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Very clearly we see in this passage that Joseph had already chosen to forgive. Verse 21, look at it. It says, don't be afraid. I'll continue to take care of you. So he reassured them or comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. He could have only done this if he had already made the decision and the choice to forgive. Joseph, he's showing us here what forgiveness looks like. I don't know about you, but when I've been hurt or I've been offended by someone, it's very hard for me to speak kindly to them, especially if I'm holding on to unforgiveness. Let's pretend that maybe my husband and I get into an argument, which we totally never do, okay? But let's just pretend that my husband and I get into an argument and I'm super offended by something he said or something he's done. You know, whether it's big or small, you'll know it by how I speak to him. Many of you, you've heard me call my husband Jones or Jonesy uh, in that playful tone. But if you hear me say Mike, y'all better run away because something's about to go down. <laughs> Just kidding. When we as people, when we are angry with each other or we have conflict with others and we're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, typically we don't speak kindly to each other, do we? We kind of have this tone. We say things that we probably shouldn't. Instead of reassuring others like Joseph did, we get kind of feisty. We respond in anger or frustration. We're easily offended. We're irritable. We're upset. But look at Joseph. The word specifically says that he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. It is clear that Joseph had already dealt with things in his heart. He had already forgiven his brothers. How did he do that? How did Joseph forgive so many difficult things? I want us to look at his story together. Look at verse 19 from Genesis chapter 50. Joseph said, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Joseph recognized that he was not God. Who was he to judge them? I think Joseph recognized that God is the only one who is perfect. God is the only one who is just. God is the only one who had the right to judge his brother's actions. I think Joseph knew that not only did his brothers need to be forgiven, but he also needed to be forgiven in his life, that he had also maybe done wrong. In my opinion, from the very beginning, I think Joseph initially helped create some of this conflict with his brothers. Look with me in Genesis chapter 37. This is a really interesting passage of scripture. Uh, Genesis 37 Verse 2, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bila and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Joseph was a total tattletale. <laughs> All right, let's keep it real. Verse 3, look at this. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. PSA to all of you parents, even if you do love one of your children more than the others, keep that to yourself. Don't make him a special coat. Don't make it obvious, all right? <laughs> he created some conflict here. Look at this in verse 5. One night, Joseph has a dream, and he tells his brothers about it, and they hate him even more. And Joseph proceeds to tell his brothers about a dream that God gave him where they were all bowing down to him. If you get a dream like that where everybody's bowing down to you, you probably don't want to share it with everybody. <laughs> um, 
You might want to keep that one to yourself. Look at verse uh, 14. Uh, Joseph, or Jacob sends Joseph out. He says, I want you to go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. And then I want you to come back to me and make a report. So Jacob sends him on his way and Joseph travels. Another note to parents, don't send your little kids to check on your bank kids. It's never a good idea. I've done it and it does not go well. Look at verse 18 with me. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. I think they recognized him because he was probably wearing that doggone coat. You know what I mean? So listen, here's Joseph. He's tattling on his brothers. He tells them about his dreams, about them bowing down to him. He being the younger brother who they're already jealous of, he goes out and he checks up on his big brothers, right? This is just a breeding ground for disaster. And at this point, his brothers get fed up. They make plans to kill him. And eventually they sell him as a slave to Potiphar. And I said all that to say this. I believe that somewhere in Joseph's story from Genesis 37, where we just were, to Genesis chapter 50, where his brothers come with that really lame apology, I believe that somewhere along that way, Joseph recognized that not only had he been wronged, but that he might also have been in the wrong, that he might have contributed to some of that animosity. Joseph realized that he was not God, and that's what he told his brothers. Only God is perfect. Only God is just. When we have been wronged, no matter how big or how small, we have to remember that we are not God. We are not perfect. When we hold on to unforgiveness in our hearts, we set ourselves up as the judge. We make ourselves the one who determines someone else's guilt, someone else's punishment, and that is not our place. God is the only one who is perfect and the only one who is able to judge others. When we make ourselves a judge, we leave God out of it. But when we forgive others, we release God to act in our situation. We allow God to bring justice because he is the only one who can. And he's promised us that he will. Look at Romans chapter 12 with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Not only did Joseph recognize that he was not God, but he also recognized who was in control of his life. I love this. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 50. In verse 20, Joseph says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. This is so awesome. Joseph's perspective here is so powerful. He, in essence, is saying, God brought me to this position. You see, sometimes when we've been hurt and we've been walking in unforgiveness, we get triggered. We're quick to assume the worst in others. We allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. We're quick to get angry. We're prideful. We take on this victim mentality that constantly focuses on all the bad things that have happened to us. And we replay those offenses over and over and over in our brains, all the ways that we've been hurt, all the ways that we've been offended. 
It's this victim mentality that says, look at everything that's happened to me. But Joseph, he didn't do this. When his brothers came to him with that half-hearted apology, I mean, it really wasn't even an apology. They sent somebody to do it for him. And then in essence, they said, dad wants us to tell you, you have to forgive us. I mean, literally. Joseph, he could have yelled at them. He could have gotten even with them. He could have told them, no, I'm not going to help you. He could have sat there and listed all the ways that they had hurt him, all the ways that they had messed his life up. He was powerful enough at this point, he could have just thrown him in prison. But what does he do? He responds in forgiveness and humility. And God uses his life in a powerful way. But he was only able to do this because he clearly knew that God was in control of his life. God is in control. Instead of having that victim mentality, oh, look at everything that's happened to me. Joseph had a victory mentality. Look what God has done for me. He forgave his brothers. He didn't allow the decision of others to determine the course of his life. I'm going to say that again because I want that to sink in. Joseph did not allow the decision of others to determine the course of his life. Yes, Joseph initially, he was a victim of other people's choices, but he recognized who was ultimately in control of his life, and that was God Almighty. And because he recognized that, he was able to forgive his brothers. He was able to release them completely. Forgiveness, it releases the offender from our punishment. We release the offense and the situation into God's hands, and we recognize that God is the one who will bring justice. When we hold on to unforgiveness, we continue to let other people have control over us, over our mind, over our emotions, over our choices, and we think that we're getting even or we're somehow hurting them back in the process, but in reality, we're only hurting ourselves. But when we choose to forgive, we take back control and we no longer allow other people's actions to control us any longer. Sometimes we think that if we forgive others, you know, we're just letting them off the hook or that we're somehow okay with what they've done. But forgiveness, it has nothing to do with the other person and it has everything to do with us. God has clearly commanded us multiple places in the word that we are to forgive. And it is so important that I'm going to read several of these scriptures this morning because I want God's word and his heart of forgiveness to sink in. If you go with me or you can read it on the screen, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others also. Ephesians Chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Matthew chapter 18. Hang with me. I'm reading a lot of scriptures, but this is God's word and God's word is what changes us. So we're going to read together Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 and 22. Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times. Jesus replied, 77 times. Mark chapter 11 verse 25. But when you are praying, Jesus says, first 
Forgive anyone that you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. My last one is this, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to give other, forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And God could not make it any more clear what he expects of us in his word as it relates to forgiving others. Like Joseph, some of us in this room, we have had horrific things happen to us, things that we would never choose. And we've walked in hurt and bitterness and in unforgiveness for a long time, and it's eating us from the inside out. Some of you, you're listening to me this morning, and you're like, Pastor Jamie, you keep telling me that I need to forgive, but you have no idea what I've been through. You don't understand my pain. You don't know what they did to me. And you know what? You're right. I don't. I won't pretend to. But God knows. Jesus knows. And I want you to listen to this scripture. This is so encouraging. Isaiah 53, listen to this. Jesus was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, Acquainted with our deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with our deepest grief. He knows what you and I have been through, and yet he still asks us to forgive. He forgave us of everything. He carried it all. He bore our sorrows. He carried our deepest grief and pain. Jesus understands how toxic it is to hold on to it, and that's why he never does. He's not asking you or I to do something that he isn't willing to do and he hasn't already done. We have to understand God's forgiveness in order to receive it and then in order to extend it. So oftentimes we think that forgiveness from God depends on us. You know, well, maybe if I just pray a little harder, maybe if I scrunch my face just right when I tell God I'm sorry, then, you know, maybe he'll forgive me or you know, maybe if I just start attending church more faithfully, or maybe if I pay my tithes, or maybe if I'm a little bit nicer, you know, uh, then maybe everything will be right between God and I. Or maybe if I can just get it together this week and just not mess up, just not do that one sin, you know, then maybe everything will be cool between God and I. I want you to know this morning there is nothing that you or I can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing that we can do to earn his grace and his forgiveness. It is a gift. It is a gift. Our forgiveness, it all hinges on Jesus. All hinges on Jesus. And the moment we make it anything other than what Jesus has done for us is the moment that we get it wrong Listen to this scripture, Ephesians 2.8. It's one of my favorite scriptures. God saved you by his grace when you believed. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed, not when you started making better choices, not when you started paying your tithes or coming to church or when you were nicer to people around you. No, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So many of us, we get caught up in that, that vicious cycle of, of sinning and messing up and then trying really hard to do better, to be better, to think better. And maybe we do good for a couple hours, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, and then all of a sudden we mess up and we feel like we got to start all over again with Jesus. That's not forgiveness. We don't earn it. When we truly grasp the perfect love of God for us and what he has done for us, it changes us from the inside out. We go from being afraid of messing up and trying to earn our way back to God to wanting nothing more than to please our Savior. We go from following the rules to falling in love with Jesus and wanting everything we do and say to be pleasing to him. His forgiveness is simply a gift, and it is ours to receive, and it is ours to give. Worship team, if you could just make your way back up as we close. I just I want everybody to close your eyes with me this morning. I believe that God is speaking to people this morning. Maybe you're watching online or you're sitting in these chairs, and you know what? You've never received God's forgiveness. You've heard me talking about it this morning. Maybe you've heard other people talk about it before, but you've never received it for yourself. And you want in on that. You want to receive his forgiveness for what he's done for you. And I just want to encourage you that today is your day. This is your moment. If that's you and you want to receive what Jesus has done for you, you want to accept his forgiveness and you want to live for him, I just want you to raise your hand this morning. still closed this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, you've been living with that victim mentality. You've been broken and you've been hurt and you're holding on to bitterness and anger. You're constantly aware of how you've been wronged, what someone else has done to you or what someone else has said to you. And God is whispering to your heart this morning, I want you to forgive them. I want you to release them. It's time to let go. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. Just respond to what God is speaking to you. Thank you. I see those hands. The Holy Spirit is also speaking to some of you this morning. You're stuck in that vicious cycle of of sin and, and shame and you try to earn your way back to God and you struggle to really believe that God actually forgives you. Maybe this morning you're struggling to forgive yourself and God is whispering to your heart this morning, I've already forgiven you. Now I just want you to receive it and I want you to walk in it. And if that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hands. to just stand with me this morning. Pastor Bobby and the worship team, they're they're going to lead us in a song in just a moment. 
But if you raise your hand this morning, if God is tugging at your heart, if God is speaking to you, I want to invite you to respond. I don't want you to let this moment pass. You can make your way on up here right now. You can find a quiet place at your seat. You can find a quiet place up here at this altar. But I want you to respond to what God is speaking to you this morning. He's here. He's ready to meet with us, and he wants to work in our hearts this morning. Amen. Let's just take a moment and just reflect on all that God has forgiven us for. all the people we've hurt, all the individuals we betrayed, whether it was trust or something else, that none of us here are perfect. Sometimes we've sinned against ourselves, sometimes we've sinned against others, sometimes we've sinned against creation, or we've sinned against God, and yet Even though there are so many offenses weighted against us, we didn't have to approach God, but God approached us. Just think of the power of that. Just reflect on the power of that this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. And it's nothing we've earned, it's nothing we deserved. You've offered your grace and your forgiveness to each and every one of us. And we didn't even have to ask. We just have to accept it. Let us not lose the power. Let us not lose the weight of your forgiveness, Lord. And let us not put ourselves up on a pedestal by holding something against someone else that you've already forgiven them for, Lord. Let us not become God in our own eyes by holding offense. But let's follow your example that even while you are on the cross, Lord, you said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, and you just weren't speaking to the people who hung you on the cross. You were speaking about me. speaking about every one of us. Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness that you have given us. And I pray if anyone is struggling to forgive themselves, that they would be reminded of your love and your grace and your forgiveness. Lord, and I pray for anyone who's struggling here to forgive someone else, that they would be reminded that that person was made in your image, that that person was bought with a price. Lord, remind them that to not forgive would be to put themselves above you, Lord. So help us, humble us, Lord, and just expose in our hearts any bitterness, any hate, any malcontent that we have, that things would just slide off our backs, that we would be people who would be quick to forgive. That, Lord, we wouldn't be weighted down by the things that the world is weighted down by, but we would leave this place with our head held high, with our hands held open to be people who love others just as you loved us. So, Lord, we prepare our hearts to go out, to be worshipers out into the world,
And we pray that as we go, that you will be behind us, before us, and all around us, and that your cross and your forgiveness would be with us and dwelling in our hearts every single step of the way. So in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. You can go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.